This is Listen Up ODK Leaders, a podcast about leading in the 21st century. Our focus is collegiate leaders and leadership, but we welcome everyone. Here's our host, Stephen Dominey. It's August 2020, and this is the first in what we hope to be a long series of programs. I'm Stephen Dominey, an ODK initiate from Mercer University and the host of Listen Up ODK Leaders. We are starting out with personal leadership. My guests today are Summer Owens and Tina Van Steenbergen. Summer is a University of Memphis initiate and speaks all over the country on resilience. She has an incredible personal story. Tina is a Hamlin University initiate. Her work focuses on women and the importance of empathy and leadership. Stay here for a wonderful conversation about personal leadership. Hi, everybody. My name is Tina Van Steenbergen. I'm a full-time professional public speaker, or I was before that job is the opposite of social distancing. So now I'm a professional podcast interviewer and full-time professional virtual public speaker. I talk a lot about leadership and I spend a lot of time working with women's groups and building women's relationships. I love my job and I'm also a member of ODK. Hi, I'm Summer Owens. I am just like Tina, (laughs) full-time professional speaker, um, now really focusing on virtual presentations. I am also an author, published author, and I do a lot of work in the school system with curriculum that I've developed, literacy, life skills, and character education. Um, I love what I do as well, and I focus on leadership as well as resiliency, and I'm also a proud member of ODK. Awesome. Well, let's get this conversation started. So the first question that's on everyone's mind is, can you talk a little bit about how you learned about leadership as a student? Uh, How I learned about leadership as a student, I'd say I'd go back to high school, really, when I I was the kind of student that always just liked to be involved in stuff. And um, I think I kind of got a little bit frustrated when people weren't doing things or progress wasn't being made like I thought it maybe should be made, or I saw different or better ways that things could be done. And that's when I started to learn about um, leadership and, and seeing that I could be the one to help to move things forward and to keep things uh, progressing and, and really making things to, um, making things happen. And so I think that's when I really honestly started to really learn about leadership. I got involved in high school um, as an editor of the yearbook staff. I was also in student government. And, and that's when I really started to, to see that I could make a difference. I could make, um, make things happen. And, um, and I carried over into college. I earned Emerging Leader Scholarship to college and, um, and began my career as a leader in college in that way. Um, and I could go a, lot, a little bit deeper, but I would love for Tina to go ahead and share. I did not know that you had an Emerging Leader Scholarship to college. That's dope. Um, <laughs> similar to Summer, I started thinking about leadership in high school. The difference between our two stories was that I was convinced I was a leader in high school and it turned out nobody else was convinced of that fact while I was in high school. I ran for student government all four years and lost all four years of high school. And so when I went to college, I was, I'm, I'm determined to make a difference. I'm determined to lead. I'm determined to have people hear me. I went to a huge high school. I graduated high school with like 1200 people. And so I just couldn't ever break through the noise and couldn't get people to vote for me. And so then when I went to college, it was that opportunity to immediately start to change that story. And so 
for me, it happened at orientation and it was two things. It was like good old fashioned org fair, like walking through the sea of tables, talking to the student government people, trying to figure out what running for student government would look like. And I remember asking my orientation leader about what she, what is an orientation leader? How do you get that job? And knew then that I wanted to apply for it. My orientation leader was a really big part of making sure that I didn't completely run away from college. I was a first generation college student, so orientation itself was pretty overwhelming. And so I was really grateful for her and wanted to do that for somebody else. And so I knew that orientation was the place that I wanted to start. So um, also really passionate about it and knew that I could make change, just needed to get to an environment where people also could agree with me on that decision. And then college ended up being, um, where I spent all of my leadership time. I'm sure many of the listeners are similar to this, that my leadership positions were more important to me than my major, right? Like that, my involvement was what kept me going in college. And all that started my very first day on campus during orientation. I can echo those sentiments, Tina. <laughs> my leadership, my involvement were what kept me going through college too. And, and ultimately got me my career, got me into my career and not my career as a speaker, but my career in corporate America. Yes. And I, when people ask about like, what'd you major in in college? We get that question from audience members sometimes. And I'm always like, oh, right. Yes. I did go to class. I did. I did study. That was a thing I did, but also student government orientation, mock trial, residence life. Like those were the things that for me, when I think about college, that's what I think about. My major is almost however many years removed now is almost like a, oh, what did I study? Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, my, my involvement meant so much more to me and I agree, sort of launched my whole career from there. So thinking about that and the type of pieces that have played into that, what maybe a singular experience or experiences have really impacted your story or journey to really lead you into like your direction as a leader in American society today? So, I have a couple of thoughts around that. So I kind of want to go back to the last question a little bit. Um, Tina mentioned the org fair, and and that was a big deal for me too. So I, I said that I, I went to college on the Emerging Leader Scholarship, and one of the requirements for the scholarship was to be involved in, I think it was five organizations as, a, as an incoming freshman. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but that was it. That was easy for me because that's what I would have done anyway. Um, and the org fair helped me to identify the different organizations. That was a requirement of a scholarship. I encourage uh, students now to do that anyway. And by being involved, it means it couldn't just be being a member. You don't necessarily have to do a whole lot, but at least get exposed to that organization so that you can uh, learn about that organization and see, hey, is this a good fit for me? Uh, with that scholarship, um, and again, I just encourage people to kind of create this experience for themselves, regardless of the scholarship or not. Each year, you grow in a leadership position in one or more of those organizations. So ultimately, when you're a senior, you're president, probably president, or in a, in a, a high leadership role in that organization. And so that was critical for me in learning uh, who I am as a leader um, and where I fit in as a leader. So those the question was around experiences, those experiences and the just making those deliberate decisions uh, about the organizations I was going to be involved in were important for me. But also, um, what I didn't mention is that I came to college with a two-year-old. And so my experience as a, a young mother 
um, really shaped who I am as a leader too, because parents are leaders. And even though I was a very young parent and just figuring out life and figuring out my, myself, um, it really did shape how I saw leadership and I feel like how I, how I led other people. So those were some of the critical um, leadership experiences. And I've had some rather, relatively recently um, as a leader that have shaped who I am. So um, as a, a board president um, and dealing with the director of an organization and learning how, how to lead in conflict and challenge, and maybe the conflict is within leadership. So some of those experiences have really, um, really shaped some of the things that I feel like I'll be able to talk about a little bit more in this um, podcast. Summer, when you tell people, when people tell you that they're really tired because they're so overwhelmed with being student leaders, you just laugh a little bit because you're like, that's hilarious. Me too, but I had a two-year-old. Like, that's insane to me. I don't understand it's how you did that. It's my whole platform team, and so what? Like, <laughs> hey, you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. This, I'm like, okay, I got to go run a mile. I got to go do the dishes. Like, I got to get, like, Tina as an adult needs to go get it together because 18-year-old Summer showed up to college. Oh my gosh, that's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love that. Uh, again, my experience was a little bit different, and I didn't, I'm not going to lie, I did not think about my leadership style critically at all, um, maybe until I, after I had graduated from college. It felt really natural to me. It felt like what I was supposed to do. I had felt called to lead for a long time, and so once I got to college and started actually getting elected to positions and getting jobs like orientation leader and, and residence um, being an RA and things like that. It just really felt natural to me. And I didn't think critically about it. And then um, it was my, my senior year of college. I was student government president. And my student government hired their own executive board. So I had 12 people that reported to me. And I wonder if any of y'all on the podcast or any of you listening have anybody in your life that you swear gets out of bed with the sole purpose of making your life harder. But this one of the people in my, on my executive board was one of those humans that's just the opposite human of me in every possible way. I was a super efficient, super type A, super organized student leader. And this young man, his name is Christopher. And Christopher was not that way. And Christopher, like reports were due every week at the same time. And he would send it four days later with like a smiley face and like subject line and be like, bro. <laughs> And we'd meet the same time every week and he'd show up 20 minutes late every single time and be like, oh, I didn't know we were meeting. It's like, bro. <laughs> like it, it, he drove me bonkers the whole time I was a government president. And so when I graduated, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to grad school. It was like, oh, I'm done with Chris. I'm done. <laughs> Somebody else is in charge of this man. It is no longer my job to chase him down. I am free. This is amazing. And then I left. I went to grad school. I moved away. And I didn't think about him for a long time. And then it was, a, it was a few months into my first semester of graduate school. And I was scrolling and his name popped up on my newsfeed on Facebook. And I was like, oh, haven't thought about you for a minute. That's been delightful. <laughs> What's going on in this kid's life? Uh, and his Facebook status was funeral arrangements for his mom. Because it turned out that the whole time he was on my executive board, his mom was battling cancer and she had just lost her battle. And I had no idea. 
I didn't know she was sick. I didn't know he was her primary caregiver. I had no idea. And when I read that Facebook status, I felt like the world's smallest human, right? Like, how did I not know? How did I miss this? I, those are complicated questions, but the answers weren't complicated. I didn't know because I didn't ask. And I didn't ask because I didn't care. I was so busy trying to get stuff done. I was so busy trying to be the efficient type A student leader that I wanted so desperately to be. I was so busy trying to be a leader that I forgot to be a human. I forgot to care about these people. I forgot to check in, right? When he showed up late, however many weeks in a row, I could have said, hey, bro, what's going on? Are you okay? And I just, I never did. And so my experience with Chris is the reason that I talk about empathy and leadership. That is my whole leadership platform because I was not an empathetic student leader. I was not somebody who was focusing on human connection or making sure that I treated everybody as humans first. I was too busy trying to get stuff done or be the leader I thought I was supposed to be. And so that experience, when you talk about what influenced my leadership style and now what I teach students about leadership, that experience, that moment changed everything for me about the way that I lead because, I don't know, he deserved better from me, surely. Um, and I'm sure other people probably did also. And I had to learn the hard way. Uh, the way that I was missing some of the purpose of leadership. So that's what shifted everything for me. That was a, that was a big experience in my life that uh, changed my leadership. Everything, really. Tina, I love that, that you shared that. I just want to say um, that's a big thing for me, too. And it's not because of an experience that I had like yours, but it was because I was that Christopher. I feel like I was that Christopher and that I was always struggling and I was having a very hard time because I was a young mom and a single mom and I didn't have a big support system. And, and I wanted people to have empathy towards me. And so I gave it. And so I gave it. And so that became a big part. And it still is a very big part of who I am, and I do the same thing with you. I don't really necessarily focus on empathy. Um, I focus more on resilient leadership, but part of what I speak about is simply that, and exactly what you just said, is you never know what people are going through. You never know what people are going through. And so that person, that Christopher, or the person who um, really is even worse than Christopher, because I've had way <laughs> worse than that, I just assume, and maybe they are just being jerks, but I assume that they are going through something, that they're experiencing some pain or some hurt. And, and that helps me to, to deal with them, and I feel like in, a, in an empathetic way, um, and to get to the, to, the, to the real core of what the issue might be so that we can move forward. I, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that, because it's also like, People hear your impressive resume and all the dope things you're doing in your life, and they're like, Summer is probably the person that was always the best leader, right? So we also don't talk about the other side of it, of maybe all of us weren't at our best all of the time. And I would have been the person that would have written you off, right? You would have been on my team, and I would have been like, okay, well, Summer can't handle her stuff. I don't have time for this. And this badass human who creates magic, right, who leads people, has a story, and 
your leadership, that one leadership position, that one day in your life is a part of your story, but it's not your whole story. And we just, we write people's stories before we read them, right? We make assumptions about people when they're late to meetings, when they don't turn stuff in, when they ghost out on their leadership responsibilities. And for those of us who are really committed or really on top of it, it gets really easy to just write that story. Be like, oh, that person must not care as much as I do, especially for all of our leaders listening. That's how we feel about a lot of our peers in college. That's how I felt about a lot of them. Like they must just not care as much as I care. And the truth is that there's probably other things going on in their life. And if we could just give people in general, but also in our organizations, the benefit of the doubt and just either ask instead of writing their story or just choose to believe that they're just having a bad day instead of believing that they suck at their job, right? Like I just, I feel like that grace that we can give people, it's grace I would have wanted extended to me, right? It's grace you're saying you wish people had extended to you and how different would it have made any of our relationships, any of our leadership experiences in college if people treated us that way with a little bit of empathy, a little bit of kindness. I just, I think it could have shifted a lot of things for Chris, for you, for me, for everybody, probably. Yeah, and as a leader, um, as a leader, when you do that, you get more out of people anyway. Because as a leader, I was you to Tina, type A, I'm trying to get stuff done, I'm trying to make stuff happen. But as a leader, that's what you want your team to do, is to help you make things happen. So when you show that you actually care about their lives outside of getting a report done, or getting a program done, created or whatever, you just care that they're alive and that they're feeling well, then they're probably going to work a little bit harder to get that report done on time. And so those are lessons that I, I have learned um, over the years that have really made a difference in what I've been able to accomplish as a leader. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Summer and Tina. Don't click away, we'll be right back. If you're joining us today due to the ODK National Leadership Conference's challenge, the challenge code is LISTEN, L-I-S-T-E-N. You can submit this code on the challenges page in the EventMobi platform. Hi there, my name is Summer Owens, and my mission in life is to help students succeed no matter what challenges they face. As an author, life coach, resilience and leadership speaker, I teach students how to overcome obstacles, eliminate excuses, and calculate choices so that they can achieve so what success. Best success over any obstacles they face. Bring me to your campus in person or virtually to help your students or you lead stronger, live stronger with a so what mindset. Connect with me at www.summerowens.com. Again, that's summerowens.com. Hope to hear from you soon and help you say, so what? Let's get back to my conversation with Tina and Summer. So many times we spend the opportunities asking people, are they okay? But asking more of the question of what's bringing them joy or what's burdening them in the moment, uh, mm. reach shaping the questions that we have. Thinking about resiliency and empathy, particularly in the age of COVID, recognizing that student leaders right now are feeling a multitude of joys, stressors, burdens. Based on the styles of leaderships that you two have spoken on briefly, how do you think student leaders today can utilize those styles 
to really enhance and reshape the student learning and leading experience in this age of COVID right now? I think two things from my end, especially on the empathy side of things, although it looks like Summer and I should just hang out all the time and probably speak together. So our messages just flow together. Let's go on the road together when we can do that again. That yes, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> I think on my side of things, two things come to mind. One is exactly what Summer was just saying. Part of the reason it was so hard for me to get all the stuff done that I wanted to do was because I wasn't being nice. <laughs> like I wasn't caring about my people. And turns out when you care about people, they care about you back. When you care about people, they care about your mission. They care about getting things done. When people feel valued and heard and loved, they are so much more inclined to get the things done that you want them to. And to do it because they're excited to do it, because they feel valued there. And so one, especially, I would have told you this pre-COVID, pre-quarantine, I would have told you that the world is more disconnected than it has been and that the world needs some more humanity in it. That is true. That has been true for a minute now. And I think especially in a world of COVID and quarantine where some of you are running organizations from your bedrooms because you can't even go back to campus. And some of you are trying to engage people and get new members in your organizations when they can't even go to campus and they're not even sure where it's safe to, right? Like there are so many new barriers to leadership that I think one of the most important ways for you to make success happen is to care for your humans because I think they deserve it. I think they need it. And I think that human connection will keep them engaged with you. And before I tell you the second one, I'm going to let Summer tell. Of course, I echo uh, those sentiments. Um, of course, I would have said the same thing. One, I have two, so I'll go with one and then Tina can share her other one. Um, is to care for those humans, absolutely. But then also care for yourself and give yourself right now. And I think we all need to, to keep this in mind, not even just student leaders, is to give yourself some grace right now. Um, don't put so much pressure on yourself because as a student leader, I know I was pretty hard on myself. I really had a lot that I wanted to accomplish. I A lot of the pressure that I felt, I know it was self-inflicted, <laughs> you know, and... And, and that's, that happens under normal circumstances. But now, I think a lot of leaders are probably feeling even more pressure. Um, and now is the time I think that you should feel, try to allow yourself to feel less pressure. Because the world is crazy and stressful um, already for everybody, not just student leaders. For me, as a, a real, real, real grown up one now, um, and I think everybody who hears this, anybody who's had a part of this interview, it is just a very, very crazy, confusing time and it changes every single day. And so give yourself the grace to know that you will make some mistakes. Um, things won't be perfect. Whatever decision you make today, it may need to be different tomorrow. Um, and understand that you, you really kind of need to put yourself and your mental health first um and you can do that at the same time as caring for other people just understanding that we all are dealing with a whole lot right now COVID-19 has has impacted us in ways that we are very aware of but in everybody's own personal lives COVID-19 is impacting them in a, in, a, in another way um I right now um I have some very extreme ways just I lost an aunt and even funerals Things arranging all of that is even more stressful 
um, more challenging. Um, and people are not able to be together and support each other and not just for a funeral, but for a happy occasions and all those things. So just that would be my first one that I would say is as you care for other people, make sure you do care for yourself and take take some of the, the, the pressure off yourself to be some high producing high achiever right now. Yep. That's powerful. And I'm sorry for your loss, by the way. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. We lost an uncle on our family too, and it's just it's complicated, right? The celebration of life, it's all different now. Everything's different now, right? <laughs> and again, you and I just crushing life together. I was going to talk about mental health, which you just said. That's the second reason why I think empathy matters so much right now, and why it's a way to lead, because nobody is just a student leader right now. Nobody is just a college student right now. Nobody is just anything, because we're all going through something that we've literally never gone through before, that the mental health effects on every single one of us. There will be studies done in years looking back on what this did, what this global pandemic has done to the mental health of human beings in general. And so I think there's a lot happening for each of us that we don't even realize. And uh, I was listening to this mindfulness expert uh, she was giving a webinar and she suggested that every time you talk about how you're not doing enough um, or I can't believe I keep eating so many snacks or I can't believe I'm still watching Boy Meets World. That's a personal story. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not working out and losing 30 pounds in quarantine. Right? Like, however you are currently crapping on yourself, which we all are very skilled at doing, is to add at the end of the sentence, in a pandemic. I can't believe I'm so tired. In a pandemic, I can't believe I'm so over all this. I can't believe I don't have any motivation. In a pandemic. And so there are people that are on your team or in your organizations who literally can't right now. And you may be one of those people who literally can't right now. And empathy allows us to give each other some of that grace that Summer was talking about. I was terrible at giving that grace to myself I was clearly terrible at giving it to other people but was hardest on myself and never would have let myself relax chill out take a beat take a breath sleep in because I was so stressed all the time and I think not that there's beauty in the pandemic because obviously there's not and not but and there's also no perfection in a pandemic. Like there's no there's no such thing as being a perfect student leader in a pandemic. Like that doesn't make any sense. There's no such thing. And I don't say that to stress you out. I say that to free you because you can't do it perfectly. It's not humanly possible. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a perfect org fair in a pandemic. There's no such thing as perfect orientation or a perfect live in it. Like it, there's no such thing. And so instead of feeling so stressed to achieve perfection, I think we can all sort of take a beat, realize that that's not possible, and then allow us to give people the grace that they need, especially in the mental health department while we navigate these completely uncharted waters. Yeah, and my, my next one, it, it just really kind of flows with what we've already been saying, but it's just to be flexible. It's to, to, to just stay flexible and to know, um, and, I, and I say this because I was that person, we talked about it before, where I had things planned out. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. Um, and 
And we all see that we just can't do that right now. We see what's happening with uh, with our schools, just the plans to go back to school or to not go back to school or how you go back to school um, or to work or to the store. <laughs> it, it can change from day to day. And so just stay flexible and to, to not get frustrated and irritated when things are changing. And I say that again, like things that personal story, so personal for me is I was a person that um, wasn't as flexible because I would plan things out. I had a lot going on in my life, um, personally, in school, and I also worked. Uh, I had an internship where I worked 30 hours a week. So everything had to go according to the plan. And if it didn't, then I would get very, very frustrated um, and, and even upset, maybe kind of mean. <laughs> Um, and I learned early on, though, um, even before the pandemic, that things just don't happen the way that you plan for them to happen all the time. And honestly, most of the time, they are not going to happen exactly as you plan them to happen. So now we are living in a time where you can best believe it's not going to happen the way that you're planning for it to happen. So when it doesn't, just um, like my, my like I said, my mantra is say, so what? Okay. So what? It didn't happen the way that I wanted to happen. So so now what am I going to do? How am I going to adjust the plan? And then even when that plan B doesn't go the way that you uh, plan, say so what again and keep it moving and stay flexible and don't get upset. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Summer and Tina. Don't click away. We'll be right back. You are experiencing Listen Up ODK Leaders, presented by Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. ODK recognizes and encourages superior leadership and exemplary character. The ODK ideals are scholarship, service, integrity, character, and fellowship. To learn more about our mission and our organization, go to www.odk.org. Hey friends, my name is Tina Van Steenbergen and I am a full-time professional public speaker and coach who works almost exclusively with women. I believe women need women and friendships with women change the world. So if I can do anything to help you and the women in your life, you let me know. Also, we could just be friends. Follow me on Instagram at Tina Ray Van. You can find my website, tinarayvan.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get back to my conversation with Tina and Summer. So thinking about this a little bit deeper and giving like concrete examples of like how resiliency and empathy plays out for any student. Sometimes student leaders have no idea what that truly looks like for them because they've never taken the time to actually analyze that for self. What would you say if you're trying to help them understand what empathy and resiliency looks like or manifests itself in, in a daily way? What would you tell them are some examples or concrete suggestions for those elements? I would say I'm all about making it concrete, right? Because again, as a student leader, especially in college, I was not this deeply reflective, what is my leadership style? How? What is my philosophy here? Like I was just functioning the way that like fight or flight, right? My brain on autopilot, like I was just showing up. <clears throat> I was just showing up the way, the only way I knew how, and I was not reflective about it. And so when I teach empathy and leadership, I teach it as concretely as humanly possible because 
I don't know how much time, I don't know about y'all, but when I was in college, I was sleeping four hours a night because I was trying to get all my stuff done and I didn't have time to block in there. Like, mm, let's do some deep personal reflection about my leadership. Like I just didn't do it. And so for me, taking this concept of empathy that can feel really heady or even really hearty can feel, I mean, this is some, like where Brene Brown lives, right? And it can feel like it's difficult to take something like that and make it practical. But I think we can. <coughs> Excuse me. I think we can make it practical. And it breaks down for me into three simple steps. The first step is about reflection. And reflection doesn't need to be this whole hour of self-discovery in your weekly planner. But it's really hard to connect with other people if you don't know who you are. How can you understand somebody else if you don't understand yourself? That was part of the reason why I was not an empathetic student because I wasn't taking the time to think about me. And so I wasn't taking the time to think about other people either. And so thinking about who you are, who you bring into a room with you, the energies you bring into a room with you, I think is helpful. I am now, I'm, I'm a, I've become a really self-aware human. I can tell you I'm an extrovert believe it or not. And my extroverted energy sometimes is too much for some people. It's a part of the way that I lead and sometimes it's too much for people. And I know that about me. I'm a middle child. Any middle children out there, you are loved. You are important. I'm a middle child. So I'm a peacekeeper and a sharer. And I stand on stage and get attention from people because I feel like I never got enough attention as a child. Like This is a part of who I am and it impacts the way that I show up for other people. That is also true of my race. I'm white. That impacts the way I show up in a space. I'm straight. I'm a woman. These things, these pieces of who I am impact the way I connect. And so I think knowing who you are, reflecting about who you are as a human, as a leader, leads to connection with other people. So for me, step one is reflecting. Step number two is actually listening to other people. That was the part I was the worst at. But you have to listen to other people. Otherwise, you're going to write their story for them. And if you actually listen to them, they usually can do a pretty good job of writing it all by themselves. So listening to other humans as opposed to talking over them is a key component to empathizing with them. Listening to the people that you're leading is a, is a not talked about enough leadership skill. And the third step, which is easily the hardest for most of us on listening on this podcast, is that you also have to share it is not enough for you to just listen to other people talk about their struggles in life or what they're going through. If all you do is listen to other people share, then all you do is collect other people's stories. But empathy is a two-way street. And a lot of us who are so focused on leading, so focused on keeping it together, of those of us who say the words, I'm fine, a million times a day, I was one of those college students who said, I'm fine, I'm totally fine. Oh, you mean my six exams, my seven organizations, and all the people that are mad at me? No, it's totally fine. Everything's totally fine. Yeah, no, I haven't eaten in four days, and I'm barely sleeping, but everything's totally fine. I'm fine. And I was terrified to tell anybody that I wasn't fine. I was terrified to have a bad day. I was terrified that people wouldn't trust me. People wouldn't care. And so I never shared back. And it's really hard to connect with people when you're closed off like that. They didn't trust me because I was had it all together. That wasn't why they picked me, but that's how I, I convinced myself that's why they picked me. So you need to reflect on who you are in the world and how you show up. You need to listen to other people's stories, and then you also need to let other people in. Otherwise, you're not actually empathizing. And 
every human deserves empathy in their lives. So those are the, those are the practical ways to infuse empathy into leadership, in my opinion. I think one of the things that you really just said that stuck with me is the be authentic. It's about being authentic. And then that's one that I'll share and I'll have three that I'll share as well. But, but to be authentic about who you are, um, any challenges that you're having, just be real. Nobody believes people who think, who, who try to act like they have it all together. Nobody even likes people who try to act like they have it all together. And so that also goes into something I speak about in, in building your confidence. And that's how you can be more resilient too. And there are lots of ways to build your confidence. But one of them is just being honest and being real about your challenges and asking for help when you need help. Um, and, and then just as being really practical in what you can do, reach out to other leaders. There, are, if, if you know people who've had the position that you have um, prior to you, reach out to them. Ask them for help. Ask them for suggestions. Um, when I got my latest um, leadership role as the president of the National Alumni Association that I'm part of, first thing I did was reach out to the every past president that I could reach. And I asked them about their challenges and I asked them about things that they wish they could have done or would have done. So those are, are some things that you can do to help you to be be more confident in these times where we all, I, I think everybody can say their confidence has been shaken in some way, in some way, every last one of us. And so we all, I think, are in a place where we need to continue to do the, do things to make us be more confident, whether that's in our career, in our relationships, in our finances, whatever it is. But um, so build a confidence. And then the other second I would say is, is to, going back to what we said before, but act with appreciation. So appreciate the people in your life, the people who, who help you get into college, the people who are helping you right now, um, the people who are helping you in your um, position, in your role, the people who help you to get to class every day, the people who give you a place to live. Act with appreciation for all those people. And then, of course, act for act with appreciation towards the people, uh, your members, the people that are, are looking to you for leadership. Appreciate them because you are not a leader if you don't have anybody who's following you or anybody who's listening to you. But appreciate that. But I also want to encourage you to appreciate the challenges in your life. Appreciate all the things that have happened to you, good or bad. And for me, I would even say especially bad when you can can learn from those things. It takes me to the third is embrace your challenges. Embrace your challenges. And so when you are thinking about the challenges in your life, and again, we are all facing challenges, some new challenges for most of us, just look at those challenges like, okay, what can I learn from this? What have I already learned from these challenges? And how can I use this in my life? And so I, I always share um, this story because this is what um, the worst thing that anybody could have ever probably ever imagined is I did. I got pregnant when I was 15, and it was as a result of rape. I got raped when I was 15. I got pregnant, and I had my child. And that's how I came to school, to college, with a two-year-old um, because of that circumstance. And that was – that's. Most people say, hey, how could you see anything good in that situation besides a child? I did have a, a healthy baby 
But guess what? That's my whole life now. My whole career is based on that challenge. So I was able to find positive in that. So now I speak about being resilient and how to manage multiple priorities and how to be a leader based on the hardest thing that probably ever happened in my life or ever I imagine ever could happen in my life. But I was able to identify so many positive things from that and especially so many lessons, so many things that I've learned and I'm a much better person, a stronger leader because of it. Well, hopefully nothing like that happens to you. Um, Hopefully you don't experience that, but guess what? Every last one of us have challenges. We all have challenges. And if you are um, are saying that you don't, then, hey, I wish we could trade lives. <laughs> but honestly, no, I don't because I have my challenges have made me a much stronger person, a much better person, a much more empathetic person. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to look at the challenges in your life and, and think about your future challenges because they're going to come. I don't care who you are. You're going to have challenges. And as soon as you face a challenge, Think about, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this? What am I supposed to get out of this? What am I supposed to learn for me? And then what am I supposed to use to help somebody else? There's there's just so much wisdom in this idea of being appreciative for the experiences in your life, right? All kinds of them. There's, there's, there's There's so much wisdom there. Because when you're in the thick of it, right, I doubt very much many of us are sitting at home being like, mm, this pandemic, yes, thank you. Thank you for all these lessons. Like, that's not easy, right? And and you might not find the lesson right away, right? Sometimes you're so deep in the thick of it that you can't see what it's teaching you. But every single experience in my life, right, like we talk all the time about the road less traveled, right? Like, what if I'd gone to law school instead of going to grad school for higher ed or you know, what if my husband is a performer but is now a public speaker? And he's like, what? We're watching Glee right now. And he's like, what if I had just chased my dreams and gone to Broadway? I was like, well, you wouldn't have met me. So suck it up, buttercup. Glad you're here. <laughs> but, like, we, like, play this game. And, like, what if this had happened? What if this has happened? And the truth is that every single thing, whether it was me tripping and falling, whether it was me being held back, whether it was me winning, right, like, it didn't matter, every single piece of my story has gotten me to where I am today. And I don't know that I spent a lot of time looking back being like grateful or appreciative of all of those experiences. So that's, there's, there's some beautiful wisdom in there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And it, and it really does. It's, I, I, <laughs> you said it best, and you're like, nobody's like, oh yeah, this pandemic. But if you do take the time to think about what we're getting out of this pandemic, Not what we're losing, because yes, all of us can say we've lost money, we've lost jobs, we've lost loved ones. A lot of us have lost, but if we can really start to focus on what we are gaining during this time, because a lot of us have gained, as you and I both, as speakers, I've gained a new appreciation for my house, because I'm here. (laughs) I'm here more than I have been in like the last five years. I'm like... Oh, I didn't even realize it was there. I've painted things. I've planted flowers. I'm like, man, I really do like how those stairs look. Everything. I've gained so much more appreciation. Um, And then a lot of us, I mean, I think a lot of parents are probably uh, a little frustrated being uh, teacher teacher parents 
right now. And I know that is a challenge. But even with that, I'm sure a lot of a lot of parents are, are really appreciating that they are getting to know their child. So even in the negative, when you know you're seeing parents posting that, um, you lied to me, my child is not a joy to be in your class. <laughs> so you're even gaining an appreciation or an understanding of who your child is in the classroom, and you're probably gaining a greater appreciation for their the teachers. And so it's so many more, so many things that we are learning and gaining, and there's a lot of positives that come from this pandemic. And for me, all of those are transferable to any challenging situation. So we will get out of this pandemic, but we will have challenges past the pandemic. And all of those lessons and all the perspectives, you just need to apply those to every challenge that's going to come for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I have never spent this much time with my husband in my life because we both travel for work. Like we usually see each other like high five in an airport and keep it pushing. And now like, y'all, I like really like him. He's like my favorite person. This is amazing. This is amazing. I like see him every day. It's the best. I, 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 he's talking about going on a trip at some point soon. I'm like, wait, you're not going to be here? I don't even understand how to do that. Right. It's just, it's such a strange reality, but like goodness has come out of it. And I keep telling students, y'all, someday you are going to be sitting across from a suited man in a job interview. And they're going to be like, hmm, so can you tell me about a time where you had to pivot or the you had to change your course of action? And the student is going to like laugh in this dude's face and be like, sir, I was a student leader in 2020. Have a seat. Let me tell you about pivoting because this is insane. The number of plans you've had to rewrite and the number of things you've had to do and the number of unanswered questions that you are trying to wade through while you figure out what this world even means, what going back to school even looks like. This is job interview gold. So if there is nothing else that you can find hope uh, and, and gratitude for, listeners, be grateful for that because someday somebody's going to ask you to talk to them about how you've been able to pivot in your life and you're going to have plenty to say because of this pandemic. So there's, there's goodness. It's allowed to suck and there's allowed to be goodness. Right? Like working, I've been working so much on this pandemic about being able to hold space for both of those things. We use the word but a lot. I'm trying to use the word and a lot. Like, dang, this sucks. And I really like my husband. Like, dang, this sucks. And I know more about Zoom than I ever did in my life. Right? Like, dang, this sucks. And I have noise-canceling headphones. So I'm going to be okay. Right? We can do and and find space for the goodness because there is goodness here. And there's certainly gratitude to be had. I love that. You said it's it's job interview gold, but I'll add it's life gold. Like the, the things that people are learning right now and as students, the, the things that you're going through right now are are some of the hardest things that you'll probably ever go through. And so when these other challenges that I spoke of come, because they're coming, <laughs> I can guarantee it. But when they come, like Tina said, you'll be able to say, <laughs> I was a student leader in 2020. Those things will be less challenging for you. There'll be a whole lot less challenging. And like I said, I can speak from what I know just because I had a lot of challenges um, as, a, as a young, as a student, as a young mother, um, trying to balance all those priorities. And so as my challenges came throughout my life, it's like, <laughs> that's nothing. That's nothing. And you'll have the same thing for your life because you're going through a, a much harder time than I ever did as a student leader. 
I will have to say this. I have really enjoyed just sitting under this tree of knowledge between the two of you. It has been an honor and privilege to just listen because I'm like, man, I've got all kinds of ideas and I have all kinds of follow-up <laughs> questions that I will definitely be asking you off the podcast because I want to know more. Um, so in an effort to bring us to a close, I wanted to um, leave us with like one tidbit uh, that you would say if you would tell someone that you met that is an ODK leader to do tomorrow, what's that one thing um, as we come to a close? I would say um, one thing to do tomorrow. It's a lot of things that I'm thinking about. <laughs> but if I could say one, I would say, first of all, immediately look for the lessons and the challenges. So immediately think about this challenging time that we are all, that we're going through and make a list of all the things that you've learned, the, all the things that you've already learned from going through this challenge that you can apply to, to being a better leader. The one thing that I would tell you is what I wish somebody had told me when I was a student leader in college, and it is that I don't have to do everything by myself. I was so sure that I had to have it all together, that I had to be the leader, that I had to be in charge. I was so sure that all of my success in leadership depended on my ability to do it by myself. And that made college really lonely. That made leadership really lonely and turns out not nearly as effective as it could have been. And we're just not meant to live life by ourselves, y'all. We are meant to live life with the support of other humans. And I don't think I would have been as cold to Chris if I had known then the power of letting people in and realizing that I didn't have to do everything by myself. So pick one person and let them in. You don't have to let the whole world in, but pick one human and let them in because you do not have to do it by yourself. And it is so much better with other humans. Leading today, tomorrow, and forevermore. It's critical to understand how personal leadership impacts the world around us. Thank you to Tina and Summer for being a part of the conversation and educating us more on resiliency and empathy and how to lead utilizing those skills. Don't miss out on our September Listen Up ODK Leaders where we'll be talking about civic engagement and the importance of voting and being engaged in the change process at the campus level as well as the national level. Listen Up ODK Leaders is a production of Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. Our program was produced by Tim Reed, recorded and edited by Eric Wilkin. Our host is Stephen Dominey. Our production team includes Lottie Page, Danielle Klobe, Elena Stubbs, Lizzie DeMint, and Alexis Martinez. Special thanks to Amy Newman for our logo and to all the staff at the ODK National Headquarters for their amazing support of our members. To learn more about our society, go to www.odk.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. ODK members should join our LinkedIn groups. Until next time, this is Listen Up ODK Leaders.